We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing? Will you be my hero, baby? <laughs> That's a good one, Jack. Obviously, a lot of action in Nets world, even with Twitter not working today. And we're going to jump with that and plenty more. Make sure you check the buzz on all streaming platforms. Hit that subscribe button. Also, drop a review. But, Jack, where do we begin? Damian Lillard finally did the thing, Nick. Sham Sarania, the Portland Trailblazers have been informed that Damian Lillard wants to trade specifically to the Eastern Conference champion Miami Heat. Multiple sources tell The Athletic. Woj got involved. The Heat, Clippers, and Sixers are all three teams that will have interest in exploring trades for Lillard. Sources tell ESPN. Sam Amick was sort of saying that it's going to be Heat or bust. The Athletic reported that the Utah Jazz is going to get involved. And then the Nets, maybe behind the scenes, might still have some interest in him. I have no idea because there hasn't been a lot of rumblings around that. But they have been spoken about when it comes to Tyler Hero, Nick, and via Ian Begley as, as a third team facilitating the overall deal. It's finally happened. We can finally discuss this with a, a semblance of you know confirmation. Where does this leave the Nets? Yeah, I mean, the first tweet from Shams had, you know, the destinations as Miami and Brooklyn. Then as, you know, the reports continue to come out, you know, Brooklyn wasn't necessarily mentioned. You know, Woj brought them up a little bit later on saying, you know, the Nets will have interest, but it will be, you know, a measured approach, you know, not necessarily being aggressive. You know, at first, it kind of felt like Dame was trying to use the Nets a little bit as leverage. And maybe the Nets weren't necessarily willing to put out that aggressive offer. Really hard to know what's going on, especially given over the course of the last two months, there's been leaks from Brooklyn saying, you know, if Lillard hits the market, you know, we'll be interested in trying to acquire him. So very, very interesting on that front. Like you mentioned, connection to Tyler Hero, Ian Begley. Also, Chris Haynes reported that the Nets would be potentially the third team facilitating here. So definitely a way for the Nets to get involved, you know, with the Damian Lillard situation, you know, Maybe not maybe not trading for him, but potentially getting Tyler Hero, Anthony Simons, who really knows? There's going to be a lot of moving parts. And, you know, as we've mentioned before, you know, uh, the Joe Harris trade, the Patty Mills trade, which happened that we'll talk about a little bit later, they are not finalized. So they could all be kind of put together in one really large trade and allow the Nets to have a little bit more flexibility, given that both of those trades were just straight salary dumps. It's not like the Nets are taking any player back. 
Yeah, another thing to consider is, you know, we've alluded to this, Josiah's alluded to this, that the Nets want to be under the tax. Yep. Adding Tyler Hero now, I think, would take them over it, if I'm not mistaken, Nick. So, obviously, DFS and Royce are moving parts in this as well. No, it's going to be interesting. If the Nets are that third team, are they giving up assets to an acquire an Anthony Simons and or a Tyler Hero? I've seen people going in on Anthony Simons and Tyler Hero as your backcourt of the future. Well, Nick Claxton's going to be doing a lot of goddamn yeah. work. You have to race on him to a max with the defensive capabilities he's going to have to show. But yeah, it is intriguing because uh, the the thought that you know we've been discussing with each other quite a bit on Twitter back and forth. Why were the Nets now suddenly not involved at all of this? Is this all of a smokescreen? The Nets trying to sort of go, okay, let's work behind the scenes and sort of say, hey, Dame, you know, you can still come here, mate. You know, Mikhail's still here. We'll just make sure that as you're leaving Portland, you're still the guy, the, the Mister Loyal, Dame Dollar, that sort of thing, and we'll give them some nice picks. We'll give them all this sort of stuff. So. It's interesting because, like you know, Clippers have leapfrogged and the Sixers have leapfrogged the Nets in terms of the suitors for for Damian Lillard. But maybe the Nets are still involved, or maybe we now need to change our thinking, Nick, and get on the Tyler Hero, Anthony Simons bandwagon. Yeah, I think it's very interesting how it's all played out. And obviously, you know, Dame waited a while to request this trade. You know, some of us anticipated it. You know, before the draft, the day of the draft. You know, after they selected Scoot Henderson. It could be a a smokescreen from the Nets. You know, it could be kind of a slow play. They know how this works. You know, Kevin Durant requested a trade last offseason, and they didn't receive any good offers. And now maybe the Nets feel comfortable, like maybe two weeks from now, you know, Miami really isn't getting any movement. Philadelphia doesn't want to include Tyrese Maxey. The Clippers don't really have anything to throw their way. And all of a sudden, the Nets come in with a package that's solid. It's not amazing. And then they get Dame Lillard at a bargain. You know, that is potentially something that could happen down the line because we've seen the reports from Portland saying that like they want a star level package for Damian Lillard and Miami is very limited in what they can send unless they're able to find good assets from a third team for Tyler hero. So that also, you know, something you and I have discussed is like, you know, is it worth it to, you know, help Miami and getting Dame Lillard or should the Nets just be willing to include, you know, an asset two or more and, you know, get Dame from themselves. You know, it's definitely something to consider. I think it really depends on what package they're looking for from Brooklyn and what picks they're really valuing and also how confident the Nets are with the remaining assets that they could potentially add another, you know, all-star level player. Yeah, the Nets have a semblance of leverage, which is something yeah. that is a good position to be in in terms of as you alluded to nick you know the picks that are, the nets have uh have a semblance of value whether they're by phoenix dallas or themselves you know they've got you no know, expiring sort of contracts here and there and, and contracts that would fill up nicely you know the, the player that i think is the best in all of this is tyler hero or anthony simons you know depending on how the the machinations of this deal do work but obviously the heat uh, the, the the sorry the blazers aren't going to want to add a Tyler hero you know yeah. they've got scoot henderson they've got shade and sharp they've got anthony simons so it's the nets are in the middle of this all and almost have a, the position of advantage and how they use that is going to be interesting because I want them to use that leverage to find some value out of this if you can get Tyler hero for Spencer Dinwiddie DFS and no picks Fuck yeah! Sorry for for swearing, but like <laughs> that that intrigues me a lot. Because I think even automatic... giving up like one pick is okay, especially if it's like twenty twenty five Phoenix. Like twenty twenty five Phoenix is not a good yeah. pick in my opinion. I think the Philly twenty twenty seven top eight protected pick is not like the craziest thing because it's top eight protected and the protections on there they don't convey. It turns into like two seconds, so that's like a pick I would be okay losing. Um, 
you know, you don't really want to touch 2027 Phoenix or 2029 Phoenix, same thing with the Dallas pick and nothing of your own. So if you can get it done by including one first round pick and then, you know, receiving an asset from Dorian Finney-Smith, you know, I think uh, Brooklyn 85 threw it out there that, you know, Memphis's new trade exception they could use on DFS, send a pick in for the trade. And all of a sudden now you're not necessarily touching your own. You feel really good. You know, I've also seen people mention Ben Simmons in the trade. I think that wouldn't make much sense. I think at this point in time, especially if you're not contending, hold on to Ben next year, he's an expiring and, you know, best case scenario, maybe he ups his value, not up to the full contract number, but maybe he looks like he's a solid player again. Yeah. And I think that it's, as uh, to be again to be simplistic and to be reductive it's about what the nets get in return what they give up in return yep you know, all about the value all about the value if it's if it's simon's for that similar sort of package you know we discussed that simon's package that was brought up by espn for dfs and, and moving parts and you know Lillard goes wherever he goes and i was intrigued by that i think you were a little bit less so i think We've, as we've seen Dennis Smith Jr. get added to this roster, as we've spoken, we'll speak about later in the episode. The Nets still need offensive pop, and yeah. Tyler Hero is a guy that can certainly do that. I think he's a better playmaker than he gets credit for. You know, I think it's, I've got a little bit irrational on my timeline. Maybe the Elon news and all that sort of stuff got me a little bit heated and saying, look, Anthony Simons is a guy that I prefer, but Tyler Hero is just as young, if not younger. I think just Anthony Thomas has it as a better self-creator when it comes to the three, and that's just something that intrigues me. He can be a bit of a gunner, and I think Tyler Hero can be somewhat empty calories, but I think both of those guys are. And both of those their contracts have a semblance of value when we're seeing Fred Van Vliet go for $40 million, Jeremy Grant in his own franchise getting $30-plus million, and even Cam Johnson you know, going for elevated money with their own franchise. So I think either of those guys intrigue me for the right return, Nick. It's just going to be how the Nets can position themselves to make sure that they're at a point of advantage. They're the ones that are taking advantage of the Miami Heat here because at the end of the day, Look, the Nets might not be a contender for the next few years, but you don't want to make like an East, an, another team across you better unless you're getting a semblance of value in return. Are you getting some picks? Are you getting you know guys back in return that are, could have some upside? I think Tyler Hero you know, uh, is might be getting underrated a little bit because of what the Heat did in their series. And it's just like, well, look, we're essentially adding Damian Lillard for Tyler Hero here, and we didn't even have Tyler Hero in our series. But he's a really good player. Like, some people might say he's a glorified six man of the year. He's a glorified Cam Thomas, all those different things. I think he's much better than Cam Thomas. I think he's much more complete player in terms of his playmaking, decision-making and just basketball IQ. Not to say Cam Thomas can't get there, but you know, there's people saying, oh, there's Seth's gone, Patty's gone, Joe's gone. Who, who the Nets going to have the guard position? Well, we still got Edmund Sumner, Cam Thomas, and now Dennis Smith Jr. So we still have a lot of guards and Spencer Dinwiddie. So I think it's going to be intriguing, Nick. Tyler Hero, McHale played a lot of time at the two last year. That as well. So look, we'll we'll see how it pans out. Do you have any other thoughts? You know, obviously this is going to be ongoing, and probably tomorrow we'll be doing another episode about this. There could be some confirmation, finalization to all of this. But what are you? Any more general thoughts before we move on to some other stuff? Yeah, I would just say uh, Tyler Hero is probably a little bit more proven than Anthony Simons in terms of contributing to winning basketball. You know, they've won playoff games. They've gone to the finals. Obviously, this year he wasn't part of that for the playoff run, but part of the regular season. I think both guys give the Nets something they desperately need. And like you mentioned, the offensive pop. I think Hero might have one more year on his deal and he's making a little bit more money than Anthony Simons. I think like 3 million a season or something like that. So um, we'll see what kind of happens in terms of 
you know, which guy the Nets potentially end up with, or maybe there's, you know, neither guy ends up in Brooklyn, but definitely something that's very intriguing. And as we mentioned, if it can happen at a value and like the Nets can take advantage of the teams needing to get this done, you know, we'll see what happens. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Nick, I think I'll finish off with comparing, I guess, statistically, both of these guys. So if we're going points, Tyler Hero averaged last year 20.1 points. Anthony Simons averaged 21.1. So that's a little bit of a wash. The playmaking, 4.2 assists for Tyler Hero. Anthony Simons had 4.1 assists. Man, this is bloody close. Then if we get to the shooting splits, 37.8% from three for a guy like Tyler Hero on eight attempts per game. Anthony Simons, 37.7% on a a bit over nine attempts per game. The E-field goal percentage is around nearly at 55 for Anthony Simons at about 53 for Tyler Hero. So, look, it's a little bit of a wash. Both of them are pretty poor defensively as well. They're both heading into their age 24 season. There's probably months between them. So, it's just the hero has a little bit more size that's pretty much one of the bigger differences i guess two inches and about 15 to 20 pounds but like you said their stats are almost identical and their defense is both bad and i think anthony simons might be a bit better athletically i think he's got a little bit more athletic juice but he's shorter as you alluded to so look either those guys would add something to the nets again it's about what the nets can get in return but we'll see we'll see how that all pans out and hopefully the nets can get one of them get Damian Lillard and what they're giving up in return is advantageous. So I guess we should get to Dennis Smith Jr. Nick. Yeah. And that was kind of the news that started the day. You know, we didn't necessarily anticipate this Dame stuff, but then Dennis Smith Jr. Signed with the Nets and, you know, Shams mentioned in his tweet that it was a priority for Brooklyn. One of the first calls they made. And this is a guy that bounced back in Charlotte last year, you know, really showcased his defense. And that wasn't something he was known for when he was drafted. He was more, you know, offensive minded player with some major athletic pop. He still has that athletic pop. Um, I think the biggest concern with him is probably the lack of three point shot. 
Yeah, look, he's uh, had a wonderful defensive season. You know, averaged, uh, I think, like 1.4 steals, something like that at, at his position. And look, I went deep diving into the shooting splits, Nick, over month by month. So in October, this is where things start pretty bloody good. 44% from three. I like that. In no, on, on, in seven games. Eight games in November, 16.7%. That's that's that that's really bad. 4% from three in January. Wow. 27.3% in February, 21.2% in March. If there's a three-point shot in there, even if it's like Edmund Sumner-like or could develop into maybe Bruce Brown where it's somewhat reliable, then that's because I think he's a good playmaker as well. You know, I think that's something that... That the Nets could use in terms of just a guy that can create for others. You know, Spencer sort of does that, but if you have Spencer and Dennis Smith, then there's just two reliable guards that can create for others. He's got the athletic pop. I think he can finish around the rim pretty well. So there's some positive things there, but I think some Nets fans, including myself to an extent, you know, I literally like was thinking about this as I woke up and went to sleep. I'm like, the Nets have Edmund Sumner. And like, what, what is the difference between Edmund Sumner and Dennis Smith Jr.? Like I, I think that both of them are good defenders. I think Edmund Sumner is, they're both good at, you know, with, with pace, getting to the rim, getting out in the open court. I think Edmund Sumner is probably a better three-point shooter as well. And uh, so maybe this is a, a not a useless deal, but an overlapping deal. But I also think, you know, he's a proven defender and he might be a better defender than Edmund Sumner. I don't know, Nick. Is there, am, am I wrong to overthink that? Yeah, I think there's definitely similarities between the two players. Um, I would say that it seems like Dennis Smith Jr. is showcasing more of an ability to be like a table setter, you know, a guy that can kind of stabilize the offense a little bit more of a natural point guard where it felt like Sumner last year didn't necessarily have a ton of a, a big assist games. It was kind of like put your head down, get to the paint, you know, throw in a layup or get to the free throw line. Uh, like you mentioned, I think Sumner's definitely a better three-point shooter, but I think Dennis Smith Jr. has shown more consistency at least last season in terms of being a good defender where Sumner had, you know, high energy and effort moments would still kind of make those, you know, mistakes that you wouldn't expect from a guy that's been in the year in the league for a couple seasons. So very similar, but I could see where the Nets saw the differences and thought that was a need for the team, especially like you mentioned, you know, some of the assists, the playmaking, the ball handling, and just having a guy that can run the offense if Spencer Dinwiddie goes down, gets in foul trouble, or it's just playing really poorly. So for a veteran minimum deal, and that's reportedly what it is, you take this all the time. It's not like they, you know, they went and used their non-taxpayer mid-level exception on Dennis Smith Jr. They took a veteran minimum deal, one-year deal. It's a flyer. If it works out, great. And this is kind of one of those deals that Sean Marks has had success with in the past. So, you know, maybe the front office can find a little bit of uh, some gold out there. Yeah, Edmund Sumner reformed his career in Brooklyn over yeah. the, the parts of this season. And he, he looks like a genuine NBA player, whether it's in Brooklyn or elsewhere. You know, we saw with TJ Warren in spurts as well. You know, Spencer Dimwitty obviously reformed himself to being a, a fringe all-star at different points of his career. Dennis Smith Jr. had, you know, a, a great season with Steve Clifford and, and the Charlotte Hornets, Steve Clifford having some ties to the Brooklyn Nets as well. So maybe there was a little bit of wink, wink, nudge, nudge, nudge happening there. So look, I'm, I'm hoping for great things for Dennis Smith Jr. I'm hoping for that. 44% from three that we saw in October, right at the start of the regular season. Even the but... 34% he shot earlier on in his career on almost four attempts. You know, if you could get that, you'd feel a lot better. Yeah, I, I, I want to dive into some of his tape and just look at the, the mechanics and just sort of see whether it's the, the type of shots he's taking, whether it's the, there's consistency in his mechanics. But yeah, our coaching staff have, have done a pretty good job of, you know, Joe Harris being one of the best three-point shooters in the league for a long period. You know, Spencer Dimwitty having, you know, some 
some consistency and success from there. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see that that could turn him into being like the bargain basement deal of all of free agency if we see Dennis Petunia shooting the three ball. But my confidence in that isn't necessarily as high as I want it to be. But yeah, this guy's got a great attitude. You know, he quote tweeted with the the Ben Simmons, you know, huff and puff emoji. So he's going to want to make an impact. <laughs> you know, the the New York Knicks had um, the opportunity to draft him, I think, when they could have drafted, and, and instead they drafted Nilakina, if I'm not mistaken. And they ended up with him anyways uh, in the uh, Chris Stapps Porzingis trade. Yeah, so, so, there, so he played in New York for a bit. It didn't really work out at all. He, uh, I know that there was an article out there talking about some of the issues he faced with Dallas and New York. I haven't got a chance to read it yet, but it kind of, you know, showcase some of the reasons why he struggled early on in his career. Yeah, and look, he's and now heading into his age 26 season. You know, there's a, a point to prove he's made a jump to being like probably a fringe caliber all defensive guard. Like he, and now you have a defensive backcourt at time, a defensive unit of Mikhail Bridges, Dennis Smith Jr., Nick Claxton. You know, we don't know what's happened with DFS and Royce O'Neal, but like, you can solidly say that you have three really, really good defenders on your roster in Mikhail Clax and Dennis Smith Jr. And that's something that the Nets seem to be, seem to be prioritizing. And I'd want them to get some offensive goddamn creation, but that might happen with Tyler Hero and or Anthony Simons and or Damian Lillard uh, going forward. So we'll see how the offense improves, but the defense... And yeah, they've lost a lot of three-point shooting. I think, you know, it's... Patty Mills, Seth Curry, Joe Harris, is that your three best three-point shooters? Yeah. Yeah, at different points in time. But when the the shooting mattered, those guys weren't necessarily there anyway. I think Seth Curry is the best three-point shooter out of all of them. And he'll have his fun in Dallas. And I wish that Sean Marsh traded him for something at the trade deadline. But that's a discussion for a different day. So there's Edmund Sumner, Spencer Dinwiddie, Dennis Smith Jr., Cam Thomas. Those are the, the guys the Nets currently have. We'll see if things change going forward. Yeah, I would expect them to add another guard. You know, even if it's not one of the names you mentioned, I think there's still possibilities out there with a trade exception. Even the free agent market, you know, there could be somebody they're interested in. I think we had mentioned Alani Walker. I don't think he's signed with anybody yet in terms of like some athletic pop. Um, But again, talking about Dennis Smith Jr., you know, I think also his athleticism, his ability to be active in transition, especially in the Nets are leaning into a defensive identity, you know, creating more turnovers, getting those easy opportunities out there. Also, I mentioned to you, I think there's something as a cutter for Dennis Smith Jr., especially with some of his athleticism, able to kind of finish with a dunk rather than a layup. And he had some posters last year. So the athleticism is still there, even with some of the minor injuries he's kind of dealt with throughout his career. So I'm excited to see what happens. It's not a huge deal. You know, it's one of those things where it's very low risk and could potentially have a high reward at the very least. You know, he's a guy that you can, that can play NBA minutes. Yeah. Low risk, high reward. And it's just about the, the Nets still have that glut at the guard position as we sort of discussed. It'll be interesting to Unless, see how they... And on that, Jack, sorry to interrupt you. Uh, I think this also kind of um, raises the need for a stretch five. You know, if you're going to play a guard that can't shoot, now you need to have four out with the other four positions. They need to find a five or a four that can really shoot the three ball and get out there and provide a different skill set. And there, there's definitely still some names, especially, you know, in terms of free agent and trade market. Yeah, Bumble or Portis. If the Nets were to add one of those guys or Olenek, to a lesser extent, Olenek, Mike Muscala, these sort of guys, if the Nets were to add that, it sort of, you look at it holistically as the, the Nets roster forming out and, and filling out a little bit more. So that would leave me with a, a little bit more comfort as a Nets fan in terms of how we look uh, as a two-way sort of team, as a more balanced team. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I guess, Jack, let's talk about the departure of Patty Mills. 
the Nets uh, trade Patty to Houston with uh, likely a second round pick. We don't have the exact details yet, but likely a second round pick, clear up some more cap space, trying to stay under that luxury tax number. You know, this was a move that we kind of predicted earlier in the offseason. It wasn't necessarily to Houston. I thought it would maybe be to San Antonio, but another team down in Texas. Yeah, look, I guess I got to give the the Patty Mills sort of spiel that I gave to Joe Harrison extent. I think I have a, I've always had a stronger connection to Patty Mills, given his ties to my native country. The way he represents himself as a person is probably beyond what he's done on the basketball court. Like he is an ambassador for this country, for the indigenous community beyond anything. And the fact that he's still representing an NBA team, I think he'll provide the Houston Rockets with some nice mentorship behind the scenes. I know a lot of people have given him a bit of grief about that, but he's also had his positive moments as a Brooklyn then as well. During the the COVID chaos, you know, Patty Mills yeah. stepped up, you know, his consistency and reliability was positive there. The game against the Pacers was a, was a fun one as well. So he's had his moments, Patty. I think the, you know, he, it, we lost a, a semblance of that goodwill once it got to a point that he wasn't really contributing on the court, but he'll be remembered, you know, as a guy that contributed relatively positively for, for this team. It's just if the, the, the inflated contract that the Nets gave him, that could have gone to Bruce Brown, all these sort of things. There's, there's negatives to think about with Patty Mills. There's positives to think about with Patty Mills. The overall experience was was fine enough, and I'm just looking forward to seeing what he can do once he gets back down under and represents the Boomers in the, the FIBA basketball tournaments. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, I think it was just really a huge drop-off from season one to season two. You know, season one with the Nets, he was knocking down threes. He was carrying a bigger offensive load than anticipated. And I think his overall signing was for the big three era, you know, having a, a big guard like James Harden, you could compliment him with a guy like Patty Mills. That was always a combination that made more sense rather than what he kind of played with. Like he never was going to be able to play with Kyrie Irving or Seth Curry, just too small in the backcourt. So kind of became no longer a fit. And I think, like you said, if the Nets had pivoted last offseason from him, you know, we would have remembered Patty probably in a more of a positive light. But this year, you know, clearly lost a step, wasn't necessarily a great fit with this team. And, you know, like you said, in Houston, probably will provide some good leadership, mentorship, and just kind of be an adult in the room. Nick, I want to ask you, where do the Nets currently stand with their cap situation? I've seen people reporting like $15 million, but I, as you alluded to, I don't think that takes into consideration Dennis Smith Jr.'s money, which would be 2 or $3 million. So are they at about 12, 13. Is that the sort of range that they currently stand heading into? What could be a, a pretty integral few days with DFS's future uncertain, Royce O'Neill's certain future uncertain, and a lot of other moving parts when it comes to the things we discussed at the start of this episode. Am I right in saying that that's about the number? Yeah, you're almost spot on, Jack. You know, we're estimating uh, Cam Johnson's start number at 24 million. You know, that's via Spotrack. Um, and then, you know, for Noah Clowney, Derek Whitehead, both around $3 million cap holds. And Dennis Smith Jr., likely at the vet minimum at like around 2.1 million. So the Nets have about 13 million in terms of cushion from the luxury tax. And they could still use their non-taxpayer mid-level exception. That would hard cap them at the first apron, or they could use it with a, one of their trade exceptions. So there's some flexibility to make improvements to this team. And as you mentioned earlier with Tyler, Tyler Hero, you know, if they got off Spencer Dinwiddie in the trade, they would be able to fit pretty comfortably under the luxury tax and still add a player that could potentially be a long-term fit for this team. So could they get off DFS, Nick? I think he's 14 Yeah, they could potentially dollars. get off DFS too. He's at uh 
13.9. So it'd be right oh, on the, in pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be right on the cusp right there. Um, you know, obviously, like I said, we don't have the exact numbers for some of the new signings and different things and maybe bonuses that were unknown. So there's a little wiggle room. And then it's also making sure you fill out the rest of the roster, two-way spots and all those things. So a couple of different variables that we won't really have the exact number for, but the Nets are in a good spot in terms of flexibility and in terms of their goal of staying under the luxury tax. Yeah, plenty more to come, Nick. Make sure if you haven't, check out the episode we did yesterday on yeah. Cam Johnson and, and his deal, Joe Harrison, his departure, and the machinations for Nick Claxton's future that surround that. Really dive deep into that. And look, we might be back tomorrow. We might be back the next day. We'll see what happens. But, you know, the buzz is covering it all. Yes, sir. And also a great time to go back and listen to some of those Damian Lillard episodes where we discuss trade packages, his interest in the Nets, even, uh, you know, on here talking with a Portland Trailblazer podcaster determining, you know, what would potentially be a good package for, you know, Dame. So a whole bunch of different things to kind of check out in the time waiting, because obviously it is something that could take over a month. We saw what happened last year with the KD trade request, and there's already rumblings that this could be a slow kind of approach given Portland wants to make sure they get back a really good package and, you know, Miami being very limited in what they can do. But Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks for listening. Check the buzz on all streaming platforms. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.